Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. And we are here to talk about the comics coming out on December 14th, my dad's birthday, 2021, starting with Batgirls number one, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, illustrated by Jorge Corona. This has been a uh, a backup in a couple of different Bat books for a little while, whether it was officially called Batgirls or it was a, a story starring um, Sandra Kane and Stephanie Brown and sometimes uh, Barbara Gordon. But here we have the first issue of this ongoing series. It is um, it, it's it's a it's an odd comic for a couple of reasons, and I, I I don't mean that in terms of quality. I'm I'm surprised at how tied into the fallout of future state this uh, sorry rather fear state this is. Take a shot. Yeah, exactly. Um, that that is sort of my biggest like shock about this is I I really thought. That with Tanyan moving on, this is going to be the opportunity for the Bat Books to put all that behind them. And at least a couple of stories we read this week are not putting that behind them. And that's just strange to me. So, um, Vince, you are the Steph Brown boy. Um, so uh, start us off with this. What do you think of this? I wanted to like it more than I did. Um, I think the, the visual style is incredible. Um, this is kind of, this is kind of one of my ideals for, for what a comic should look like. You know, this comic is insanely like colorful and playful and packed with detail while being like cartoony and not over rendered. Um, and so I love the way that it looked. Um, I, I think the problem I continue to have with this creative team, this writing team, um, is that there, there's a lot of, um, trying to be jokey and bantery and, and, and funny, And I think like maybe half of it hits for me and they have done the same thing on wonder woman. I feel like there's just something about the dialogue. That's a little cloying to me. Um, It reminds me of uh, Bendis or like Kelly Thompson in some ways where he's got to fit the dig in. (laughs) Where I just, it's just like, it's a little bit too generic bantery. Oh, everything we say is so clever, but only about half of it really is. It, it is too cute to me. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely. like that was my biggest takeaway from the dialogue in this issue is it's just too cute by half. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I feel that. And so, like, I enjoy, I enjoyed reading it mostly because the art. I, I do think the plot is fun too. Like, I, and I think they're just, they're, they're a fun uh, pairing. I think, I think, I think they're pretty like character characterization wise. I don't think there's really anything wrong with them. I just think, yeah, like you said, dialogue's too cute at times to overdone in that way. And um, 
it, it makes what should have gone down a lot easier. And like, if you just glanced at the comic, if you didn't read the words, you'd be like, Oh man, this, this looks great. It's going to be snappy and, and it's going to sing. And then when you actually read it, like you're just kind of tripping over some of this dialogue. That's, that's too cute or, or I don't know what, just, just, just overdone. Um, and so all the kind of the ingredients are, are kind of what I want to see. And, you know, I'm going to keep following this book because I like those ingredients, but man, there's something about this dialogue and, and, and the way that this team writes the dialogue that I'm having trouble with, no matter what book they're on personally. Zach. Um, I, I generally feel the same way as Vince. I wanted to like this a lot more. Um, I had a lot of the same problems with my enjoyment, uh, finding enjoyment in it. The one thing I would maybe differ on is I don't really see like a through line between Clunin and Conrad's writing amongst their like different projects. And I think the problems in this book are, are not necessarily the same ones that their other books are having. Like the issue with Wonder Woman, I think is, it's just like, it, it just wasn't like the one it hasn't been a distinctive enough Wonder Woman run. And then I actually, you know, on the record have liked, I liked that Midnighter mm-hmm. thing a lot. And and so like, I don't see like a through line in their writing. And, and so, I guess that's, not necessarily a bad thing but like i also don't really know what their voice is either or like what they're going for um this could have been written by anybody to me this could have been written by kelly thompson um Mm -hmm. absolutely so maybe that's what they're going for maybe that's like a stylistic choice but yeah i um i don't love this the art is fantastic though I, I wanted to love this and I merely liked it. That That is about the nicest thing I can say about it. Um, there There's a lot of stuff in this in this book, like Vince was saying, the ingredients here I think are pretty good. I just find, uh, to me, Zach, the through line between, between the writing of this team so far is just that everything I've read by them has been duller than it should be. Like they 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 are on some of the most exciting properties DC has. I mean, this book, this Batgirls book with this concept of Steph and Cass as Batgirls. People have wanted this book for 10 years now. And this doesn't feel like anything close to what I think people hoped this book would be. Yeah. That that's my biggest takeaway from their writing so far is just that it's boring. It's not it is not a it is not at all what this book should be. Well, I, I don't know that I would necessarily call it boring per se in the same way that I would their um Wonder Woman, which I no, do think is boring. They're boring in different ways, yes, I agree. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is, because there's a lot of fun stuff here. The dialogue is really snappy. Um it's not necessarily like great. I don't know. I, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because like there were like character beats in this that I liked, I guess that's maybe that's it. 
there were character beats in this that I thought were fun. Like this, the, the bit with Cass going after those muggers after the fact, like that, that was a cute bit. Yes. I'll agree with that. Sure. And like a lot of the dialogue between um, Cass and Steph is really fun and cute. Uh, uh, Sometimes too cute, as I've said. Um, But I, I, yeah, I guess I just to say like my issue with it, isn't necessarily that I found it boring, just that I didn't necessarily love the direction all the time. I, I mostly just thought it was too cute and and too like trying to be cute. I I, I agree with that too. I, I guess to me, when I call it boring, I just think like, all right, you've got these three fantastic bat characters that don't have their own book right now. You're putting them together in a book. You can do anything you want with them. You have carte blanche to do whatever you want. And obviously there are certain parameters that are placed on them by editorial and by the stories that came before it and all of that. But the fact that the best they can do is just have them like talk cute to one another. Like this book this book could be so much more interesting and exciting if it wasn't just so cutesy. And I know that cutesy is not typically what we think of when we think of boring, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know Vince said he's going to keep reading this book. I mean, I'm sure I'll read it again. It's not like something that I would want to revisit necessarily, um, just based off this issue. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm sure we'll read another issue of this for the show, which will catch, which will force me to catch up on it because yeah. that's how we, we do things now. That um, uh, that Amano Amano variant cover, though, did. Did you guys see that? Which one is that one? I saw it's, there's a bunch of them. It's the like last one before the actual issue starts. He's the he's the Final Fantasy guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. It's so good. I didn't know that that was coming or I might have pre-ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you're a real sick of these days. I know. I know. My um, question for you guys. Oh, sorry Vince, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the one other thing I wanted to point out is I I don't know if I've seen uh, their work before, but Sarah Stern's colors on That's this. That's exactly what I was about to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really like them. Um, and uh, it, it very much fits with the, the, the colorist stuff that I liked from future state. You're, you're saying everything I wanted to say right now. This yeah. Is great. Although I don't feel like I saw that name on future state. So no. Um, Stern is doing a great job of, and, and maybe they were, and I just don't remember, but, um, it just doesn't stick in my mind. So Stern is doing a great job of like fitting into that scheme, but also just like if every book Sarah Stern colors looks this good and pops this much, um, you know, future state or not, I, I, I'd be all for seeing more. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love the colors on this. Um, I, I thought of one other thing I wanted to say while you were talking about that, which is that are are you guys were you as surprised as I am to see the Saints, the sort of Simon Saint, Fear State stuff hanging around so much? Yeah, 
I'm in this. I am. I'm surprised that it's showing up in this book for sure. I wonder if this was if this was planned before Titan's departure was. It sure seems like it, because 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 boy, that sure felt like, uh, hey, we're uh, we're shoving Simon Saint off, and you won't have to see any of this for a while, <laughs> right? <laughs> except in except in Future State Gotham, number eight and number nine and number ten. Any other Batgirls thoughts? Um, yeah, the Saints. That's an interesting. Or not really. Don't know. I'm I'm lying if I'm saying it's interesting, uh, but. You know, they're all named after various saints, except for Saint Fight. Fido Five. <laughs> yeah. F- well, was Fido a saint? That's what I, I wanted to ask you. Um, I mean, there there are a couple of thousand saints. Um, Fido Fido was an Italian dog from. Did you know that? One of your paisans. Hey, uh, I, I don't I don't see any Saint Fido here. OK. Well, you would know. So that's why I'm. And to be fair, I I have seen Tarsisius more than I've seen Tarsus, but that's a whole other story. Uh, anyway, um, Tar- Tarsus was Saint Saint Paul of Tarsus, right? Yes, but usually it's just listed as Paul, not or Paul of Tarsus, not just Tarsus maybe alone. maybe Paul would just be a dumb name for a robot. <laughs> I mean, five hundred five is not exactly uh, you know Tarsus is very close to Walrus. Uh Paul. Is that a, is that a oh oh goo 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 jube my sir? <laughs> uh, have you guys watched Get Back yet? No, some of it. The best part of it, and this is not a spoiler of all, is that in uh, in the third don't part, sp- don't spoil the Beatles for me. Well, in the third part, <laughs> Ringo is talking with George Martin and somebody else, and he just goes, "I farted." <laughs> not I farted. I've I have farted. Yeah, I've, it, and he says. I was going to just look at you and pretend it didn't happen, but I'm telling you now. <laughs> and then, just, then, then did he uh, say, now I've got a hole in my pocket. Yeah. And he went, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> peace and love. I'm warning you with peace yeah. and love. Yeah. Okay, last thing about Batgirls. Did you guys see that this is one out of six, this first issue? Yes. The, yes, the first arc is six, yes. That's not a good look. Now, no. You hate to see it. You hate yeah. to see it. <laughs> you hate to see it. You really... Oh man, a few things I hate to see more in comics, actually. <laughs> you know what I hate to see more than one of six? One of ten. One, well, I was gonna say one of seven, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got the gist of the bit. Yes. I did, yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the reverse. You know what? It's the re- uh so the McMahon faces in the uh-huh. gif. Yes, know? I, I yeah, yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna make that when we get off the call. I'm gonna make that where like <laughs> where it's a one shot and you fall out of your chair. <laughs> well, more like more like one to three. I th- one of three. I think. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, you start with six, then you do five, four, and then yeah. three is the best. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about Batman: The Imposter, number three, uh, written by Matson Tomlin, illustrated by Andrea Sorrentino. Um. Vince, you said off air that you did not go back and read number two for this. No, I don't think you necessarily needed to. I don't think so. Um, I, uh, I think you probably got everything you needed from this one. Um, but what did you think I, of this? I oh, think so- you needed to. Really? Because this is the best Batman book that I've read. Mm. In I cannot tell you. 
I, I, I did really enjoy it. Spoiler alert. Uh, so, Zach, actually, why don't you start then? Tell us well, about is, why you enjoyed this so much. Well, uh, it was just good. I am eating a whole I, I ate so much crow as I caught up on this because we just dunked incessantly on Mats and Tomlin saying like, you know, completely straight face. This is this is a this is a Batman story if Batman were real or something, you know, whatever the quote yeah. was. Um, and I just like this had more emotional stakes more stakes in general honestly than like any batman book that i think i have read since like morrison i guess um i this was like a bruce that was interesting to me the little wrinkles of this world were interesting to me like just the, the little fact that he didn't have an Alfred, you know, that little, which I think was in the second issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this I just, I, I just found it in, endlessly intriguing and interesting how this Bruce was, is like really leans into the like sociopath aspect. Um, there's a sequence, I think in the second issue, I'm going to talk about the second issue a lot. Bear with me where he, um, he is like trying to force a meet cute with that detective. And he basically like manipulates her into, he, he, he manipulates a conversation into going a certain way, knowing that it will just by freight, making a phrasing a statement a certain way. And it, it's just like such a fascinating take on Bruce that we don't see. Like, I, I just think it's so cool or so refreshing, I guess I should say. Um, I don't know. I, I was immensely impressed with this book and the art. Of course, the art is fantastic. Well, just, Sorrentino like, is just so Sorrentino good. Work. There's yeah. that bit in this issue where you have two back-to-back double page spreads and, and they're mirrors of each other that the, the top part of the page is the Batman part and the bottom part is the the detective, but only the top part is lettered. And then you turn the page and it, it flips and you get the other side of it. Um, on, on like, I guess the cynical side of me could say, Oh, that's a nice way to reuse art, but it, it had like such a fun effect to me. Um, and, and, and the twist you can see, you know, coming from, a mile away, but it, I still thought it was very effective. I the, really the, the like this. Of, the twist of who the imposter was? Of who the imposter is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that landed with such a terrible fart for me. Um, I mean, to me, that doesn't really matter, though. Like, the, oh. the story isn't about who the imposter is. Well, that's all I gave a shit about, if, I guess. If, if you read the second issue, maybe you have a different opinion here. I don't know. Um... I said I said a few weeks ago in the Discord, or maybe it was like last week. I had time. Who even knows that I'm I'm becoming a black label guy? And between this and, <laughs> wasn't and that Woman, yesterday? Woman, not, not, no, it wasn't yeah, yesterday. No, I think it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm pretty sure it was. Yesterday. No, I can pull it up. It was the day that Wonder Woman Historia came out, which was last Wednesday. Mm, I don't uh, know, Zach. You said on the third of December, so that was Friday. Against all odds, and becoming a black. Okay, well, that's not yesterday. Today is. I thought it was yesterday. Historia came out either. Okay, you're right. (laughs) 
As usual, it's somewhere in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Time really has no meaning anymore. And I know like it gets old saying that, but it's so true. It's very true. Yes. Um, But regardless, uh, Black Label is good. I I thought this was very good. Um, I, I understand why we were dunking on it conceptually. And I and I think that if it had been written by a, I I don't know if the word I want. I, my initial in, instinct was say a less cynical writer, which is odd to say because the book is certainly not like super sincere. But I just feel like there is a there is a through line through it that I did not expect in terms of Bruce's characterization. But to me, and this is like the least interesting take you can have on this. If this was drawn by almost anybody else, I'd have cared less. But Sorrentino just does such a good job with, I mean, everything. His his action is great. His panel composition is great. The way that he uses onomatopoeia, not the bat villain created by Kevin Smith, but the the, the literary device of like you know, with with the sound effects in the books, everything about it is just really. It's so well done. And I, I I feel like sometimes we get spoiled by people like Sorrentino that we don't give them their flowers for how great they are because we're just used to them being this great. And I, I want to really make sure we're taking the time here to just talk about how, how fundamentally interesting and clever and well put together these pages are. Um, now, Vince, shit all over it. No, no, I'm I'm gonna let you just have your. I'm not gonna shit on it. I'm not gonna. You're allowed to not like it's, it. It's it's just not for me. And and all that stuff you said about Sorrentino doesn't. It 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 lands for me on the the big pages like that one that that Zach uh, went into detail about where, it's the double page spread and then the, like he said the art's kind of reused but, it's done in it's done in such a clever interesting way. Plus, there's there's art that isn't the same layered over the top of it. Um, so it's, you know, it, it isn't just like a one to one. Well, maybe it is I, now that I think about it. But anyway, anyway, it is it's an interesting effect for sure. But like the actual. Um, the actual like day to day stuff in between those like really showy spreads Mm -hmm. i don't really care for all that much like i i don't really he he does like clearly like photo reference stuff that i just do not like that in my comics generally um i i I, like i don't think that stuff looks great or consistent um it's just not my preferred style and to me like yeah, but the Bruce characterization was well, what was really interesting to me at the start of this issue was the stuff with Ratcatcher and how that played out and how he felt betrayed or whatever. And then the 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 disconnect between what Bruce was doing and what the imposter was doing and kind of the pers- the public perception of all of that was very interesting. But then that once Bruce actually found the location of the imposter and they kind of had it out in the fight. All, none of the, none of that stuff was anything I cared about. 
especially given the reveal of who the imposter was. Um, and I know you say that that's not that important and I, it's probably not, but they do spend a lot of time on that fight as well. And I just found myself not caring. Um, I, not, not to, to be sucking at the teat of uh, DC here or of Tomlin, but I feel like the whole point between the fight between Batman and the imposter is Batman like fighting for who he is. And so it does, it does, I, I, know, I know it's cliche or whatever, but I feel like that's really the point. It's not about who he's fighting. It's that he's fighting for he's fighting to be Batman, essentially. OK, I, I, I'm not saying that's like the most clever writing in the world, but I think that that to me, that fight is is that the imposter is just the stand in for doubt or the the wrong path whatever he's just fighting for his path mm-hmm. okay that's fine yeah that's, <laughs> sure yeah whatever you say i'm not i'm not you guys can have this one <laughs> well let's let's take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about a bunch of uh a bunch of anthologies and Wonder Girl. So stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast, and it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. And we are back with Batman Urban Legends number 10. We have four stories in here. And I, I personally, I don't know if we have to talk about all four in super detail. Um, I'm happy to do whatever you guys want to talk about. But we have a story that's based on Tim Drake that I do want to talk about. We have the second part of an incredibly sad Tweedledee and Tweedledum story. We have the third part of an Asriel story. And we have a Nightwing um, Christmas Carol goof um where do you guys want to start i'm okay Um, starting at the beginning yeah i am too okay vincey you you were the one who called what megan fitzmartin was doing with tim making him buy and you really liked that first um story that fitzmartin had written with tim drake in mind i'm interested to see if you liked this story or not um not really it's fucking trash. I'm sorry. I hated this story. Yeah. I just felt, uh. and I'm interested to hear what you guys say. To me, this was such writing whiplash where you would get like jerked around tonally so much in such a short story. It felt like an entire arc shoved into a story with all the important stuff like ripped out of it. And I just felt that this was like the this is one of the worst Batman stories I've read in a very long time. And I've read some shitty Batman stories recently. I fucking hated this story. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll go that far, but um, 
I didn't like it uh, mostly because like, oh, I don't know if this is fair or not, because it's, it's not what the comic's trying to do, but I feel like they already sidelined the, the, the buy reveal for Tim. And I know there's a little bit where like uh, Bruce, Bruce and him talk about it towards the end of the, of the story about, you know, that, Oh, I think I've always known or whatever. And, and Bruce just, you know, he's just, yeah, great. You're happy. That's, that's awesome. And you know, that's sweet or whatever, but it's just, I don't know what this story is trying to accomplish. Um, if it's not really continuing that thread, you know, that stuff gets sidelined for the majority of this for a story where Tim is just tra- like worried about Bruce's happiness in a way that I feel it felt very superficial to me. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting crime and all, and all Tim can do is like monologue at Bruce about happiness or what, you know, what, what will it take to make you happy or whatever. And it's not like nothing that he's talking about is really informed by what they're doing at all it seems like this side concern that is really um you know well nightwing kind of says it like bruce is who he is and um you know i don't i don't really get why you tell this story now and in this setting um it just none of of it a little bit yeah 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 go for it go for it so did did neither of you read this as like a direct kind of follow-up to the detective comics annual. So I, I did have that thought. Um, but as much of a problem as I had with Bruce's characterization in that, that made so much more sense than Bruce saying nothing will fix the city. And then a minute later hugging somebody out of the blue, like uh, this, just this as, as nuanced a conversation about like what is quote right as happened in that tech annual. This is the polar opposite of that. Just doing the dumbest possible version of that. So, so I don't disagree that that, that was the part that felt the most like rush and like ham fisted. And maybe this could have used a little bit more workshopping or a few more issues, but I feel like there's a direct thread between like, the way like Bruce is okay. So some of this is an issue of like, we're being told that this is how Bruce is post fear state more than we're actually seeing it. We've only kind of had two issues that are really dealing really closely with like how Bruce is post fear state. And I, I do think that that is an issue, but like following up that issue where, where Bruce clearly has like a very kind of like negative outlook and Dick is kind of the, you know, clashing against that and pushing against that. And it's kind of the opposite. Then to follow up with an issue where like Dick is kind of like Dick and Bruce are kind of set in their ways and they're not like really looking to change each other. But then you have Tim in the middle who is kind of trying to figure out where he stands in all of this and clearly being like, the younger brother and the younger son and, and kind of trying to 
work his way through how he feels about Bruce and, and what his role is. I thought all of that landed really well. Um, and I, I like these two issues together f- for what they're doing and kind of repositioning the various back characters and kind of where they stand in the family. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Mm. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I I don't think it landed at all. This is also like to me this this issue is really trying to make Batman out to be a shit in a lot of ways, and he is he he is no he is a shit, but it's doing it in the laziest ways. Like even just like the last page of this story made me groan so much where. Bruce says Merry Christmas, Robin, and Robin says Happy Holidays, Batman. To me, that seems like a direct like value judgment on saying Merry Christmas, which is so fucking lazy. No, people say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. They've done that like as long as I've been alive. You're yeah, you're, you're, you're just an in sync boy, is what it comes down to. And so that you're you're referencing their Christmas classic there. Uh, I guess so. Like <laughs> I I didn't I didn't read it that way, Brian, but it's very funny now that you say that. I don't think that that's what was going <laughs> well, on. I totally but... saw it as like Bruce is saying there's a war on Christmas and Tim is saying happy holidays. <laughs> no. Is that why he like, hugged the white supremacists? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Building the coalition. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't I can't save the past. Exactly. <laughs> He's oh I can't save wait. Wait a minute. Save the past. Preserve exactly. preserve our history. <laughs> yeah. What if Bruce goes like full on uh alt-right? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> but no, th- I again like Zach, I I understand what you are I understand what you're saying. I just think that you're having to connect the dots far more than are connected on the page here. I mean, maybe I maybe I'm used to finding story where there is none. Um Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's I'm the used... thing. Oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say the the now that you say all that Zach I can see where you're coming from but it none of that occurred to me it did not occur to me for a single second while reading this to link it to the Tamaki stuff in the detective annual because that issue you know it's kicking off a longer arc where I assume some of this character work is going to get hashed out and 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 maybe uh you know, people's uh, Batman, Bruce's or, or Nightwing's perspective will change over the course of the event. But in this issue, but but it, in that issue, it's very much like Bruce feels this way. Dick feels this way. This is how they clash. And while the, even though they're working together, they still don't really see things the same way by the end of it. In this, yeah, Bruce is that same kind of dickhead. And then at the end, all of a sudden he hugs somebody and talks about how sorry he is and how I can't, you know, like whiplash is right. If you're trying to put it in the same context as the detective post fear state, like, I don't think this does not uh, read as post fear state to me intentionally. Well, so uh, just 
piggybacking off of that in fear state we see i'm oh, sorry in tech we see dick as the optimist who is not going to give up on anybody and here he basically says give up on bruce <laughs> and it just it's just so tonally wrong for if it is supposed to be connected to fear to the post fear state status quo uh, hetrick doesn't know what dick is all about Fit, I, fitz martin you mean i'm sorry fitz martin yes i i guess i can give you that i mean i feel like this is a very like reasonable response from dick in if, dealing if it was with anybody Bruce. else i think it would have been but dick just because of how dick's relationship with bruce is this didn't this doesn't read true to me well uh maybe i i think I, you can be a an uh, you can be a you can be a Dick Grayson and still be a, a realist in some cases. Sure, and again, that's that's the least of my issues with this story. Like to me, it's just it's just poor writing over and over and over again. Well, and that's get just excited one. when Fitzmartin is on a Tim Drake book next year. Ugh, they there won't be a Tim Drake book. <laughs> no, Tim Drake will keep showing up in this book or in backup someplace else. Mm, you guys have a bad track record on calling those things. I know. I know. We do. I know. I know. I know. Oh boy. Um, okay. So now, are, are we going to talk about this Tweedle D Tweedle Dumb story at all? I didn't read it. I, I just have a thing that I want to say about it that has nothing to do with the with the actual <laughs> story. Sure. This was the point in our reading this week where I realized I I wish I were reading less comics. <laughs> like I wish I. I read too many com. We read too many comics, um, and we said before the show, um, we read a lot less than we used to for the show, right? <laughs> I still feel like we read too many because I'm reading this Tweedledee Tweedledum story, and I, this is just personal taste thing. But I think I'm I think I'm done with. There's been way too many Batman stories. First of all bat villain stories but i think i'm done with these stories where we see we see an entire story play out from the bat rogues perspective i think i'm just kind of sick of this like maybe this is like weirdly reactionary of me but i just i want stories where the bat family there's there's bat rogues goons running around committing crimes and stuff and from the Bat family's perspective, they have to take these guys down. I, I, I don't need so many stories where we have to sympathize in some way with the Tweedledee, Tweedledum brothers. Well, it, it used to be novel to see yes. from this perspective. Yeah. And, and the novelty has completely worn off. Oh, yes. It's, it's done. Every Bat rogue has had several stories like this now where it's from their perspective and it's <laughs> in, in, in some ways it's supposed to be sympathetic to them. And um, again, it sounds reactionary, but I'm we're talking about superhero comics, you know, I'm not talking about like crime in real life or something like that, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't like, I'm kind of done where the whole, where the whole issue is kind of like the sob story for, for the villain or we see it from their perspective. It's just, I, I'm, I read too much. I've seen too much. <laughs> um, I, I will say that this, 
this story is actually really different than I thought it was going to be. It's it's one of the more interesting, uh, like versions of this of what you're talking about. If only because like sort of the whole point of it is that, um, you know, if we had universal health care, the world would be a much better place. <laughs> um, sure. You know, but it, it, it's not great. I mean, by any means, it's just it's just interesting and strange, um, but not particularly good. Um, so then we get the third part of the Azrael story, which is, um, again, hyped as like this will come back into play next year because Azrael turns 30 next year. Um as well as continuing in Arkham City. And, you know, I I have enjoyed Arkham City far more than I've enjoyed these stories. I don't know if you folks agree with that or not. Um, yeah, definitely. But um, I still like this. And I'm interested, if, if we get a Dan Waters Asriel mini next year, or like, heaven forbid, a, an ongoing... Absolutely, it has, to have, issues. It has yeah. to have hundred issues. It has to have a hundred issues. Um, I feel like Vince is a huge mark for this because it's just a hundred percent. It's an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Um, just straight up. Uh, yeah, but yo, keep going, keep going. No, no, I'm good. Go. I was just gonna say, I thought you were segueing to me. That's why I started talking. But, um, uh. No, I, I did dig this. Um, I I definitely enjoyed it for what it was and in a vacuum. Like, yes, give me give me more of this. Give me more Dan Waters. Give me a, a Dan Waters Asriel book. As if you if you look at it in the tapestry of the Arkham City book that that Waters is doing, I, I do worry that these side stories dilute that a little bit. Um I kind of just like thinking of that as its own thing. Um, that's, a, that's interesting because I don't know if that's fair or not, but well, let, let me just bounce this off of you because we were talking just last week about how one of the best things about Teen Titans Academy is how they spun the Shazam story off into its own little corner mm-hmm. because there was too much story to tell in just one book. And so you got to, you know, shove things off. And so this way you don't lose that story. You just tell it someplace else. So do you, why is this different? <laughs> I mean, that's a very good question. I, I don't like. It's weird because when we talked about Arkham City, my, my feelings were that I, I like when a, a, a fundamentally creatively strange book could get plopped right in the middle of Infinite Frontier, supposedly, and be a part of it even though it's got the makings of a vertigo book or something. Mm-hmm. And yet I think, okay, here's, here's the way I look at it. First of all, Teen Titans Academy for as great as it is and for all the stuff that it's doing, it's still very much a conventional superhero comic, you sure, know, sure. that clearly takes place within the, I think what I like about Arkham city is that ostensibly it, it can take place and does take place right now in the DCU, but I didn't realize how much other stuff would be, would surround it and potentially feed into, even though you could argue that you don't need this at all. You don't need to read this to get Arkham city, but it very much does 
work around the periphery and feed into it in a way that it doesn't dilute Arkham city in that, like it makes that book worse, but it's almost like, I, I, I wish that we're within the DCU the way that it is, but also just totally standalone. And if they were to do like a mini series, an Asriel mini series that spins out of it, I wish it weren't a, I wish it weren't a anthology piece in a completely different book with a more conventional art style. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the pieces don't fit here in the way that the, I felt like the pieces of Shazam and Teen Titans Academy fit together artistically. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I do think that at a certain point we have been clamoring for a long time about wanting more diversity in story type from DC. We don't want everything to feel the same. And whether you love or hate urban legends, I think that there's been a lot of relatively interesting storytelling within those pages. And if this is where we can get these weirder stories, I think that's, that's fantastic. And that's what we should, we should be encouraging that. Um, even if it does somewhat tonally not fit. It's sort of neither fish nor fowl here, right? It's not really part of the other bat books that are happening. And so it stands out from urban legends, but in urban legends it's more conventional than it is in Arkham city. So it kind of stands out from there too. Right. And that's, I think that's the part that Arkham city is so special to me. Um, uh, yeah, and I think that's the part that I just I struggle with. Um, I get that, and that that's happened with other stories too that supposedly feed into Arkham City, right? Like what? That that well, it, there wasn't their story last week in the villains, uh, the villains anthology we read. I think there was, but I didn't read it. Was there yeah. a Dan Waters one in that? I see. I don't even think it was Waters written. I don't know then. See, what, what's what's strangest to me about all of this is that theoretically Arkham City is a fear state tie-in. <laughs> and so, so like... That's the least believable thing of all. It is, but it's also like it just shows how how we sort of construct these narratives around what's coming out, whether or not that actually is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I'm complaining about nothing, really. I, I don't think... Uh, my complaint is ultimately meaningless if you're asking me whether I think it's a good, good book or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, talk amongst yourselves. Cause I'm going to look up what was in that anthology. Cause it's bugging me. What the, I what think, was that um, thing called? It was like villains, Gotham's Gotham villains, 80 page, hundred page, something or other. What what I'm most interested in with this is how it may end up tying into the Shadow War stuff. Mm. Do you think it will? I think it may, considering some of this, uh, the the stuff with the the Lazarus pits and the the assassins being so closely tied to to Rachel Ghoul and it it's seeming like them 
uh, Azriel meeting up with this uh, the, the what what is what is she called the poor the poor one or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of restarting the Templars. I, I could see this Azriel whatever Azriel thing that's coming next year being a part of Shadow War. And again, like theoretically, I'm not opposed to that, right? I think that's good to have um, the Bat books somewhat connected to one another, right? Yeah, it was a Dan Waters Mad Hatter story. Okay. Anyway, whatever. Do you have anything to add? Does anybody have anything to say? Uh, about the Nightwing uh, as Scrooge story? I think that was the best thing in this. Um, I thought that it was crumpulent. It was fine. The art, <laughs> the art was pretty good. Um, it was cute, but I, I didn't think much more about it. Yeah, I I, I think that's almost exactly what I said. Uh, let's see what my notes said. Uh, nice enough, but muddled and predictable. Yeah, predict- predictable to be sure, but like heartwarming in the way that a ho- holiday anthology story should be. I know this isn't in a holiday anthology book, but like the, the what I was saying uh, like a week or two ago about holiday anthologies and and how and how fun they can be and and how they can shake things up in an inconsequential way, but but nonetheless you know something i love seeing that's exactly what this did to me it was a nice palate cleanser knowing that nothing i was reading was really important and that it was just telling me a standalone holiday story that was heartwarming right and and i loved cass's role in it that that dick was her secret santa pick and she beat up his bad guys for it yeah (laughs) that's really that was really nice good show uh, Teeny Howard and and the the first Christian Duce art that I've liked in a, a while, I think. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think it was a bit of an upgrade for Duce. Yeah, it was almost more. It was almost cleaner and more minimalist than I sometimes expect from him, mm-hmm. and I think it I liked that. Yeah, it, it reminded me more of the Duce art we saw in the Flash early in Rebirth than what we've seen recently. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I thought that that Zach was going to be all about this because of the uh, all the video game stuff in the beginning, the GS five, etc. Why would I? I do not. I could not care less. <laughs> what are you doing? That's we're done with the show tonight. Uh, I'm not a PlayStation guy anymore, Brian. But what? God. (laughs) All right, we're moving on. We're moving on to tis the season. Not a place to be freezing. Uh, So for this one, we definitely don't don't have to talk about all these stories. Um, There's a bunch of them. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. Uh, Do we want to just give like? (laughs) Can we all give one sentence on each of these? I I can't because I didn't read them all. <laughs> I'll be honest. I read the first one and the last one. Zach, there's one. In, there's one in here that's like that's made for Zach. But okay, anyway, which we'll one turn, is it? The, the Legion of Superheroes one. Yeah, it's, it's a Legion yeah. one. Oh, I didn't even notice that there was a Legion one. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll maybe I'll go back and check that out. See, Brian, we just don't have enough time to. 
No, I just these I don't these put this on me. Are, these anthologies are just like such a waste of time to me. <laughs> I think like they're definitely they're definitely not slapping the way that they used to. No, there were a couple of decent ones in this, but that's, that's oh, there is a Polar Boy one. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. okay, I missed yeah. that. All right, so Vincey, we'll do we'll do Ooh, one set. It's a piece. The and Zach, art you, isn't great. <laughs> Zach, you, you can fill in when you, you can join us when you have something to say about one of those okay. stories. So uh, we get uh, One Snowy Night, which is a Robin and Mr. Freeze story by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini on writing and Jordan Gibson on art. My one sentence review of this is uh, perfectly in line with Batman, the animated series. Yeah, I loved it. They, th- this creative team can do the, the same thing anytime they want to. Um, perfect for an anthology setting where it's a nice short 10 pages and you're out. We have uh, the siphon. Uh, I did read this one. He okay. did read oh, this sorry, one. Sorry, sorry, Ryan. Sorry, Good sorry. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought this one was funny in light of the Tim and Bruce. Um, <laughs> yes. Batman Urban Legend story. Um, this is a much better version of that. Story. Yeah, it, it was. And and it did the Batman animated, animated series thing really well. It, it was fun. I mean, Dini and Burnett have been doing this stuff forever and I think this artist uh, Jordan Gibson is a really good match for it so yeah I like this so next we have The Siphoning which is a vixen in the super pet story by T. Franklin and Yancey Labatt Vincey Um, my one sentence review is um, give me more vixen uh, maybe even with this creative team but I don't need more super pets yeah, uh, my my one note I wrote was do something interesting with Vixen, please. Yeah. Next, we have Bizarro versus Seasonal Depression, Dawn of Climate Change, which the title is the only good part of the story written by uh, DC editor Amanda Taturo and illustrated by Jason Howard. My one that is review is this art bangs, but I literally cannot read more Bizarro talk. I got like three paragraphs and I was like, fuck this. I refuse to read this. I can't do it anymore. It's it's tough, and that's not so much Turturro's fault as it is just we always talk about how Bizarro speak is really tough to deal with. Um, yeah, the the art was great. Um, one thing I will I will give Turturro props for with the scripting is that they stuck with um, yes yes consistent agreed agreed. You know we've seen like we've seen Bizarro speak where they drop it or they contradict the way that they're writing it. And Totoro does not do that. Totoro sticks to some, from what I could tell, really stringent rules about how to write Bizarro speak. It's just Bizarro speak is not for me. Yeah, I should say the funniest part of this whole book is that in our review copies, there are four stories lettered by TBD. Oh, oh. Uh, whoops. <laughs> in, the, in the credits, it says TBD. Uh, so, yeah. Funny. Hopefully uh, they fix that. Yeah, let's hope so. Is that, is that like is that like another world or whatever that one? Uh, oh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and world creations or whatever it is. Yeah. And world creations. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, all right. Then we get Firestorm and Killer Frost in Bizarro Love Triangle, written by Jeff Trammell and illustrated by Justin Mason. Uh, this is my favorite story in the anthology, besides the Batman the Animated Series one. Uh, my one review, my one sentence review is Justice for Clayface, which is they mention Clayface as being a, a hero in this. Mm-hmm. And so that's because Tanya will never finish that story now. <laughs> uh, this is justice for Clayface. 
Well, on, along those same lines, there's there's a really funny line in there about, you know, if you're a villain, how do you if you if you're a villain, how do you become widely known as good if you've been a villain all your life? And I forget who says it, but somebody who's like, well, basically, if you hang around with Batman <laughs> and you're a villain, you end up you end up being a good guy. Yeah, exactly. But Which is a really. Pretty... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say that's a really pointed line about Batman and, and his rogues gallery, but. Yeah, this was good. This was good. I, I also I have a joke for Zach, but because he didn't read it, he won't get it. And Brian, because you haven't watched this particular thing, you won't get it. But in this story, I, I'm just afraid Ronnie Raymond doesn't think that people can change. And see, neither neither of you get it because I'm, I'm split right down the middle here. Is that a succession joke? No, it's uh, I think you should leave season two. Oh, OK. OK. Go. Which, uh, is that the, I used to be a piece of shit? Yeah, the baby. I'm afraid the baby doesn't <laughs> think people can change. <laughs> okay. And there's a, there's a line in this comic where Ro- Ronnie Raymond is like, oh God. Uh, Brian, talk about the next one while I find this line. He talks about like... knowing how Clayface used to go do sloppy steaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, something something triples his best, right? Is, is that just something yeah, I picked up? Triples his best. Okay. That's a different. That's a different sketch, but I, hey, you know, yeah. I like where well, you're at. Triples makes it safe, so it's okay. We'll let it slide. <laughs> triples. I'm just going off what I see on Twitter, and again, yeah. I want to watch it. I'm just too busy doing other things. Um, oh. You know, th- you know those. You know, those are only 11 minutes long. So when you have your little, I'm, I'm just minutes. making. I'm making fun of you, asshole. Here we go. Here we. Go. I know you are. Here we go. Hey, Frost, I want to say sorry about earlier. I was a real jerk. People can change. <laughs> You're trying to do that. <laughs> and that's like literally a line from people can change. Let him let him hold the baby again. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the Polar Boy story Snow Date by uh, Rich uh, Bernatovich and illustrated by uh, Travis Mercer. I love that they went for like a, a B tier Legion character here, but the story's lame. I, I said the art wasn't good. I guess it's it's not that bad. It's like it's like it's not great. It's it's like knockoff uh, Howard Porter kind of. Yes, good call. I I was getting uh, Brett Booth vibes. It, there are also Brett Booth. It's like Brett Booth plus Howard Porter. Yeah, in fact, I would say Harold Howard Porter minus Brett Booth. <laughs> is there an inker on? Yeah, Norm Ratman inks. Yep, there you go. That'll Andrew do Dallas it. Colors. That'll do it. Uh, That'll do pig. Man, Howard Porter Legion book. That would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Next up, we have a story um, by uh, rather a, a Harley Quinn and Blue Snowman. Everyone's favorite Blue Snowman mm-hmm. story um, written by Tara Roberts, illustrated by Eric Battle. Um, I thought this was kind of fun. It was fun. I didn't love the art, unfortunately. Um, and I've seen Eric Battle art before that's better than this. So I don't know if this was just a, a rush job or what. But um, but it was fun. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next, we get Flash and Captain Cold in The Holiday Pact, written by Saturday Night Live alum Bobby Moynihan. Drunk was- Uncle. I, that, I almost read it just for that reason, yeah. but I couldn't bring myself. <laughs> uh, illustrated by Pop Mahan. Um, I, I actually wrote. Um, oh, where is it? Uh, <laughs> this is fine, but it's not Drunk Uncle. 
So <laughs> there we go. It's not even uh, Kirby the 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 space cadet with his little kitty cat. Well, what's the name of the guy who who? Uh... Hey, you hear about the? Oh, oh, what was his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, pretty sure it's uh, pretty sure it's Leonard Smart. <laughs> what, what the fuck was that guy's name? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. We yeah, can yeah. update. Yeah, you'd slide yeah. in. I'm pretty yeah. sure he was like a rumors guy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, it's this was this was as good as a Bobby Moynihan five pager could have been. Yeah, I think it was fine. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, hang on. Oh, oh, here we go. Anthony Crispino. <laughs> yep, there we go. <laughs> uh, he was he was also Vinny Vidacci Jr. <laughs> Son of Bill Hader's Vinny Vidacci. He was Ass Dan. Yeah. Never never forget Ass Dan. <laughs> he was he was Slappy Pappy in the of original. Of course, he was Slappy Pappy. Pappy yes, Slappy Pappy. We we. <laughs> Good God! All right. Finally, we had the Justice League queer in Break the Ice, written by uh, Brian. Andrew hated Miller. this because his arch nemesis wrote it. No, it was just a guy who was a dick to my writers once, and uh, I know, I know. Illustrated by Megan Hetrick. Um, I apologize for slandering Megan Hetrick earlier and confusing her with Megan Fitzsimmons. Or Fitz Fitzmartin. Fitzmartin. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm just an old man. I can't remember names anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I wish that all of these JLQ stories didn't feel the same to me. I'll say that this is the third one now, and they've all kind of felt the same to me. You're not wrong, but I I still like it. I do like it. I wish what I wish was that there was a. a a greater trajectory or a, I know they, they always say at the end of these comics that the JLQ will return, you know, and, and they mm-hmm. mean in the next anthology. Yeah. Yes, they, exactly. they mean, yes, exactly. They mean six months from now. I told I, I'm calling it there. It's going to be the backup in justice league in a few months. That would be great. I, I want to see it on a regular basis. Cause I really, first of all, I love the team. I really do. Uh, I love the old guard like extraño and um even uh alan scott yep. pops in for a second like the, the the mix of characters just so great um and i i think you know misgivings about uh you know multiversity or whatever aside uh I think Andrew Wheeler does a fine job with this and 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 I would definitely I would read in a continuing story uh, written by Wheeler and drawn by Hetrick or whoever, because I don't think Hetrick has done all of these, right? Uh, I, think I, I, I think there were different artists, but I could be wrong. I think you're right too, but I'm I'm not positive. Yeah. Anyway, I I've been enjoying this. It's just it's too infrequent, and um, I I won't go so far as to say like the infrequency makes it feel less than, but I just think there I think there is so much potential here that i'd like to see it more often fair even if i'm not like don't get me wrong i'm not like absolutely blown away by this um it's not like 
the, the, the greatest thing I've ever read, but they're, they're good characters. They're fun characters. It's important. It's a good creative mix. I think I'd like to see more of it. Zach, any thoughts on this? It, it was, the art was good. Um, I, I too like the concept. Um, but I, I, yeah, I want I want to see this in something more consistent and like less one-offy. Um, yeah, yeah, yep, I agree. All right, that brings us to our final book of the week, which is Wonder Girl number six, written by Joel Jones, illustrated by Layla Del Duca. Vinci, I called you the Steph Brown boy before. You're also the Joel Jones appreciator. You are the biggest fan of hers. Although I think all three of us are pretty big fans of hers on the show. So um, th- we haven't talked about this book, I think, since the second issue, maybe. So what are you feeling about Wonder Girl right now? I want to like it more than I do. I said that about Batgirls. Um Um, boy, For, well, let's just get this out of the way. I love the way this book looks. Mm-hmm. Um, this month it's Layla Del Duca on art, um, hewing extremely closely to what Joel Jones is doing on the book. Now, I, I think their art styles are similar to begin with, but, but I do, I feel like. Del Duca is doing some stuff to, to, to hew even more closely than she otherwise would have also. That's just a feeling I get from the, the line work and sort of the, the wispiness of, you know, even, even something as specific as the character's hair, you know, mm-hmm. looks like the way that Joel Jones would draw it. Um, but I think, I still six issues in, I don't really get a good sense for who Yara Flora is as a character. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of stuff is happening to her and we're told she's important because everybody's looking for her for various reasons. And yet I don't feel like I know her yet. Um, other than that she's like a little bit impulsive and still very unsure about what's going on in all of this. I could, t- I do not care about Eros or like how he's involved <laughs> in this. I don't, I don't know if we're supposed to like him or not, but I don't. Um, maybe that's intentional. Uh, I feel like he's supposed to be an ally or is going to become one. Um, and I just don't care about that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm having a difficult time. It's also very decompressed, you know, it's a joy to look at visually all the way through. And I, I love kind of the, the sort of silver agey. She fights a big, giant guy in his underwear in this. And that whole sequence is really fun to read and look at in a very disposable silver agey way. Um, but man, there's just, there's no meat here. 
really. So I have a slight disagreement with that. Okay. Which is that, so I, again, part of this is based on not this issue, but based on me going back and catching up on this book for to talk about this issue in that I really enjoy all the world building around the different Amazonian groups that is happening here. You know, we get uh, Cassie Sandsmark, we get Wonder Girl, we get our, I mean, we get um, Donna Troy, we get Artemis, we get like, there's a, we get Nubia. This book is doing what Aquaman: The Becoming is doing for Atlantis, in just like blowing out the frame that we usually get of this character, and so this is doing everything for the Themyscirian Amazonian story at DC. I think that stuff is really interesting and really well done. I think the unfortunate part is that this is supposed to be a Yara Floor book, and she's the least interesting part of of the story. So I'm not well, saying that you're wrong in any way. I just think that. No, I, I don't think we disagree at all. Okay. Okay then. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, sorry, keep going. I just, no, no, no. You know. I was just going to say, like you know, I I do wish that there was more interesting Yara Floor stuff happening, but I also feel like this is pointing in a good direction for next year the trial of the amazons stuff i feel like this is the book that's doing all the heavy lifting for that story which is funny because i think this is also the only one that hasn't been like confirmed like explicitly to be part of that crossover i i think it has but i, I want to say that uh, joel jones is one of the co-writers listed on that i i'm not positive about she might she might be but I just read a thing the other day that was like, and like presumably Wonder Girl or w was like the bit that was given. Okay. Talk amongst yourselves. I will, uh, I will look this up. Zach, what did you think of this? Um, I'm the one who said that we should talk about this and I don't have very much to say about it <laughs> other than the art was good. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah. Here. You're right. It does say presumably <laughs> Wonder Girl. <laughs> that's very funny. That's that's funny. Remains to be seen, I suppose. Yeah, I still think it's uh, I still think that it's a net good in the DC universe right now, even if it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. I, I I can agree with that. I'm I'm only saying I you know this felt like a slam dunk when it was announced, and I don't think it's quite been that for me. It also doesn't help as how delayed it was. It's been yeah. Like we are just now sort of catching up on it, but it's I want to say issues like three through six have all come out since October. Was that a sneeze? It was. I never no, hit the you. mute button in time. That's okay. Thanks. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so you know, I, I think I think three issues have come out in the last like month and a half or something like that. Yeah. So it just makes it a very strange reading experience, also. But you know, that's uh, I guess that's just what we're gonna have to deal with for now. Any other thoughts on Wonder Girl? Mm mm. Mm. -mm. All right. Well, Vincey, what's coming out next week? 
uh, Batman Catwoman, number nine. Batman One Dark Knight, number one. Batman versus Bigby, A Wolf in Gotham, number four. Catwoman, number 38. Catwoman Lonely City, number two. Ooh, ghoul. Um, Justice League Incarnate, number two. Legends of the Dark Knight, number eight. Nightwing, number 87. Newbie in the Amazons, number three. Uh, Robins, number two. Uh, Suicide Squad King Shark, number four. Uh, Supergirl, Wonder, oh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number six. The Flash, number 777. And Wonder Woman Evolution, number two. Well, those are some books. And we'll talk about them next week. They're books. Until then, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Brian is an app. And I'm at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is trying to find some more time in the day to read comics. Yeah. If you know where I can find it, let me know. Uh, Stop gambling on sports. You'll find more time. (laughs) I damn it. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Um, This might be no surprise to anyone, but nice with it <laughs> <laughs> there's the stinger, stinger.